0: Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a conversation where we're trying to allow people to have more delight and less despair in their life. My name is Adam, and I'm the Campus Support Team Director at South Mountain Community Church. And with me today, I've got Paul Roby, our lead pastor, and Eric Nelson, our teaching pastor. Guys, welcome to episode five of the Fully Delighted Podcast. Good to be here. Yeah, really excited, loving this. Great. I I'm really uh, enjoyed uh, just the content that we got to go through last week. I hope our listeners did as well. And, and if you've missed episode four, um, I think it's a really helpful podcast um, just with some some really good information. And, and just bev- before we kind of get into everything for today, I just want to do some some housekeeping. So for episode four, we mentioned these gospel versus religion cards and irreligion versus the gospel cards. And we had a lot of people that were asking about the cards. So what I did basically is I changed the description in episode four to have a link to a Google Drive folder. So now people, if you go back, you can go to the description and find that um, that link there. So then you can just download those and look at those as well. Now today, um, a few things just to (laughs) remind you guys about, um, we would love it if you would help us out by subscribing. If you like this podcast, if you think it'd be helpful for other people, we'd encourage you to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. We've got some reviews that have been coming in and we're really thankful for those and hope that they keep coming in. Um, Our podcast has just about 1,000 downloads, which is pretty crazy, just about five episodes, which is uh, just amazing to see that people are sharing. They're giving it to other people, uh, listening, and uh, we're really thankful for for all that as well. And this is an interesting reminder here. One, we do have a voicemail for today from a listener at our St. George campus, which is uh, really excellent uh, to have somebody uh, listening there. We love our St. George campus and uh, excited for that. And uh, so we have that at the end of the episode for today, but we want to remind you that if you would like to call in and ask a question, that number is 801-382-8151. That number will be in the description as well. Guys, for today's episode, we want to talk about the mission of SMCC. Paul, can you just give us quickly? You're the lead pastor. What is the mission of SMCC? Why do
1: we exist? The mission of SMCC is pretty clear. It's been the same for 22 years. Is we exist to help as many people as possible take their next step toward becoming fully devoted and fully delighted followers of Jesus Christ. Now. I do want to say that that's the mission statement, but it has to be understood in context. As we came to Utah and thought about SMCC in the context of an LDS culture, that really did guide us in how we wanted to state this mission. Now, this is a little little bit delicate right now to be able to describe Mormon culture, LDS culture um, in in a way that's maybe not as positive as somebody like is from that culture might want to hear but we believe that you know we love LDS people but we don't love LDS theology. I think that's the clearest way to put it and so because of that we're very intent on not just grace, but grace and truth. And so as kindly and as nicely as I can put it, we're here to help people that feel like they have been told something that's not true. And in a sense, their trust has been violated. And because of that, we have to be extra careful never to violate someone's trust. And I don't think we can appreciate what it's like to be raised in a, in a religion than to discover that a lot of the history hasn't really been clearly told to you. Uh, you've done a little Internet search, and there seems to be you know, some skeletons in the closet and some things that just you feel like have been hidden from you and some of the explanations you've kind of just put on the shelf but now you've got them off the shelf and you're holding them under a bright light and it's not meaning the smell test and you, you just feel devastated because you've lost trust in an institution that you have loved and devoted yourself to for a long long time. It's like discovering that a person that you've basically given your life to has violated your trust has Uh, lived, you in a sense have participated in living a lie. And and that's got to be super difficult. And so we entered the ministry here in Utah as SMCC with that in mind that we were going to minister to people most likely that feel like they have had their trust violated. And so we like to say that no matter what we do as a church, we will not violate people's trust. That is a foundational principle for everything that we do. And that mission statement was written with that in mind. And Paul, that is so
2: meaningful. I don't think I have anything else to say about that. The way you describe that is so compelling. Um, so when it comes to trust, and I think... I think people growing up in many churches could have trust violated right it's not just uh, the predominant religion of Utah this is there's a lot of a lot of religion that has that um, that story to it or that backdrop to it um, so if you've had your trust violated and then um, you decide to check out from church for quite some time Paul what what in your 22 years have you seen lead people to begin to to consider googling church again or you know to still be interested in spirituality i'm i'm so impressed with the courage and the and the bravery in in people that walk through our doors after they've gone through this horrible experience it's almost like it's like going into a, a dating relationship again. Right. I often think about um, this. This this analogy is not meant to be disrespectful and it's not perfect, but if you've been in a relationship where trust was violated, perhaps uh, an abusive relationship emotionally, um, then dating again is very, very scary. Getting into relationships again is very, very scary. Mm-hmm. But Paul, what draws people to take their next step or to begin to consider pursuing God- through the local church again.
1: Yeah, I think that Augustine and Pascal basically both said the same thing and that is that we all have this god-shaped vacuum and we typically try to fill it with other things because if we shape if we fill that god-shaped vacuum with God, that means that we're going to be accountable to him and people resist accountability obviously. You know, that's just what it means to have a sinful nature. We want to avoid that kind of accountability. And so what we discovered is that we were getting people that had formerly been involved with the LDS church uh, that we had assumed had, had then had their fill with religion. And so that's why we did the religion versus gospel card and we 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 did that card we we started talking about it we often make that comparison and, and contrast but then we discovered that a lot of people who leave the Mormon church go into irreligion and so we had to develop the other card the irreligion versus gospel card and and so we for probably the first 10 years we just focused on go, on gospel versus religion And now I think that we've kind of opened our eyes to see that, man, there's a lot more to that. And and most LDS people don't go from LDS to uh, Evangelical Christian Church or something like that. Most go to nothing, spend a period of time as nothing, nuns, and uh, then start to have that That appeal that only only God can make sense out of life Uh, you know obviously we believe that uh, purpose and meaning and significance are so important to a person the idea that we're unconditionally loved by someone greater than us and all those kind of things are so powerful in our life that eventually many people do find their back way back into some sort of faith structure.
2: So for the listener who hasn't experienced this type of journey, um, we have some stories about what it was like for the person who grew up in religion. Um, trust was violated. They were burned. They became nuns, not o N-U-N, uh, n And then they decide to show up and check out a church. I don't know if, if our listeners don't have that experience or know what that's like. That is not easy. Um, we've heard stories like, you know, I parked in the parking lot and just cried. Right. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even make it in the doors. I I was I sat in my car for the entire service once, twice, a whole month before I had the courage mm-hmm. to show up or, or walk through the doors because I was so scared that the building would fall down. <laughs> People joke like lightning right. would strike me mm-hmm. because this is not just, you know, going to a different fast food restaurant. You know, I want chicken right. one day, the next day I want a burger. I'm going to go to SMCC versus something else this is far deeper than that I mean this is like making a decision that could affect relationships and family even employment I mean checking out a new church um, is there's some consequences so Paul describe some of that tension for the listeners who don't know what that's like because they need to know what that's like I want
1: them to know what that's like I I actually took the time to study this I uh, wrote a doctoral dissertation on this, idea. What does it look like for somebody to go from a fully devoted LDS person to a fully devoted Christian? And, and, and that when I said fully devoted LDS, that means paid their tithing, had a temple recommend, uh, many of them went on a mission, uh, all that kind of stuff, to the point where now uh, a person's fully engaged, uh, they give, they go to a group, they serve, uh, they invite people to SMCC. So that whole transition, I studied that transition, interviewed several people, and really I only came to one conclusion. You know, that's a lot of work, 260 pages to come to one <laughs> conclusion. And that simply is this. the mo- that, that moment of truth is stepping from outside the church, inside the Four walls of a local church, and especially SMCC, because I studied the people that came to SMCC, and the finding was that that's the most difficult step they've ever taken in their entire life. And it's kind of like, am I signing up to get burned again? Am I? Is this just repeat of what I've experienced? And so the apprehension, and you described it: people crying in the parking lot, intending to go to first service trying to go to second service forget it come back next week try again they Mm -hmm. finally walk through those doors that is the most difficult thing not only is it difficult because i don't want to get burned again but if they still have a sense of loyalty to some degree to the lds church or that doctrine has infected them they know that that's the first step toward apostasy Mm -hmm. and and so if they if the mormon church is true I'm actually heading for hell here. What's interesting
0: since in my time being here, I think of just hearing those exact stories that you're describing, people sitting in the parking lot, I've heard people say, uh, as I was walking up to the doors of of, uh, of a you know non LDS church, my stomach was just in knots, mm. you know. And what I think is so interesting, I know one of the points that we want to talk about today is kind of trust and building trust with people, and I think that's so important for people to understand about SMCC because this is a process, just as Paul's describing, that takes a long time. That there can be somebody who has left the LDS church and could take uh, could take years of not doing anything. And then finally, after years, there's been this investment that we've made in a church to, to have a trusting, great environment mm-hmm. so that when they come, we can hopefully present the gospel in a clear way. You know, Paul know, or Eric, I'm sorry, I know that's something that you know, you're passionate about, Paul as
1: well. I mean, what does that mean to just build that trust for those people? Well, I, I want to say this, that a lot of our people that came from other churches, other states, other places, they're frustrated with the slow... Process involved with LDS people, sure. People that used to have, um, be Mormon, and so we are always having to remind them that we're simply allowing the process to take place at their pace, not at our pace.
2: Yeah, that's and that's the the next step process. It allows for uh, people to go at their own pace. So, you know, Adam. The I, I love to say the, the message starts in the parking lot. The sermon starts far before, um, you know, the microphone turns on and, and someone on stage begins to talk. In fact, the trust building process begins the moment someone stumbles onto our website. Um, so, you know, I think we should talk about how we earn trust. Uh, you know, what does that look like? How is trust earned just in any relationship? In my mind, trust, there's a lot of different definitions or ways to think about it. It's a word we use all the time. But, you know, something around earned confidence, you know, earned confidence is that we are earning people's confidence as a church in in Utah. And that happens Far before someone someone gets on the stage, and so we can we can talk about all those ways that we earn confidence. Uh, that might be really helpful. What yeah, do you think, Paul?
1: I, I've thought through this, and and I think if you are part of a Christian culture, a subculture, or an evangelical subculture, we do things and kind of wink at them and not think much about it. For instance, hype an event like it's going to be amazing. We don't do that. Because yeah, if it's not, we just over-promise, under and that violates trust. 100%. Yeah. We never take an offering at an event unless, and, and we would never do that, but in, in, it, we, I guess it would be okay if we did that if we said, and we will be taking an offering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we don't want people to come expecting something and get a different thing. Mm. And so we have to actually sit down with speakers, and we rarely have speakers from outside, but when we do, and we've had some pretty big-name people, Frank Turek, John Maxwell, different people like that, and we have to actually say to them, it's not okay to invite people to receive Christ because they came here for a different type of event. They came there. They were invited to come hear you speak on this topic, and so if you switch the tables on these people and now start putting the screws to them as far as making a commitment to Christ, by way, by the way, that violates our. Our, our next steps type of approach to ministry. But most importantly, it violates their trust because they thought they were coming for something, they got another thing.
2: Yeah, we will never bait and switch people. Nope. Uh, you know, another way that I think about building trust, and I don't think a listener would know this, but among our staff, we have a 24-hour return the call, return the email type of policy that we try to stick to. Because even in returning an email... You're earning trust. If you send an email and it, you know, it goes four, five, six days, or you make it, leave a voicemail, it goes four, five, six days. That doesn't earn trust when we don't respond to that. So, literally, we've thought we have to earn trust in every single avenue possible with someone that's engaging with SMCC. And uh, this this goes to our staff, our volunteers, um, from the moment someone connects with South Mountain Community Church. It, it, we
1: can't uh, misuse scripture so that uh, it will. <laughs> Make the point we want it to make. You know, find a version of the Bible that actually uses the word that we want and kind of proof text different things. No, we have to be careful, accurate. Using God's word is absolutely uh, an area where we need to build trust in.
0: So I don't want to go too far down a rabbit trail, but I think this is really helpful. What we are describing here is one of our values as a church that we honor the process in which God changes people from the inside out. So you know we're not going to try and force anything and what somebody might find unique um, possibly coming from you know all different kinds of churches is that so at smcc we don't pass an offering plate so we're not going to force that onto somebody make them feel ashamed that they're not putting something in or make them feel obligated to do it paul in smcc's 22 years of history have we ever done an altar call have we ever done that as so those fit into we honor the process we're not trying to bait people into it. We're not trying to push people into it. We're not trying to manipulate people into a decision like that. We're giving them time and space and allowing to build trust with those
1: people. And again, we're not saying bad things about churches that do. We're just saying that's not who we are. We're a specific, and a very, very specific kind of church for a very specific kind of culture. And we have a very specific mission. And so, we honor what other churches decide to do, but that's what we're going to do. You know,
2: a couple other things that we think earn confidence is a, a, a predictable type of service. I think mm. if you come to SMCC for any length of time, you're pretty sure there's two songs, some type of announcement, another song or two, a message and a song, and, and that's the 65-minute service or whatever. And we want that because we want to say, this is what you can expect, and then we want to come through on the
1: expectation. You see, we've kind of made a deal with our people, and that is we will hit a double on Sunday morning. We will give you good music, good good message, good children's experience, good youth experience, good environments, clean, safe, all that kind of stuff. You should over time, understand the predictability of that so that you're comfortable inviting your friend. And so it it goes into our invest and invite philosophy.
2: If you try to hit a home run as a church, you you can try too hard and it gets a little weird. I've been in a church. Then you can violate
1: trust because you... Sw- swung for the fences and missed.
2: When it gets weird, when it gets cringy, when it gets awkward, all those things violate trust. Those types of things um, don't build confidence. So we think a double is the type of quality uh, and a type of excellence that earns confidence while still being authentic. And I think um, quality and excellence those build trust over time. Every time I go to In-N-Out, the burger tastes exactly the way it should taste and the way I want it to taste. If you go to a restaurant and one time the meal is great and the next you order, and this has happened to me many times, I order the same meal and I'm like, they must have a different cook in the back because mm-hmm. this isn't even close. Do I go back to that restaurant? No, because they haven't earned my trust. And so we want to have a have a, a, an experience, you know, to use the words of, you know, a business, a product that is um, very, very consistent, very meaningful, helpful, hopeful, or a double. These are all, you know, ways we can talk
0: about it so that trust is built. Yeah, so I think what's super interesting about that is, you know, one of the things you, Paul mentioned was invest and invite, which is what we're talking about. Um, and that is one of the next steps, one of the main next steps that we have. We usually have four that we point to. Um, but I kind of want to give it back to Paul. We're talking about this mission statement. And again, this is a conversation that hopefully will bring more delight, less despair. We're going through the SMCC way. So we're at the right. section that describes this mission. Paul, jump into that la- a little bit more
1: for us. Yeah, as many people as possible. That's how we uh, started. We're, we exist to help as many people people as possible take their next step. So I think it's undeniable that there's a gravitational pull in every single church toward insiders. And an insider is simply somebody who either grew up in church or have been there a long time. They get it. They're bought in. uh, They're dues paying members. They're they're Mm. people that have come to expect the church to do for them what they want the church to do for them sure. and they've kind of lost sight of outsiders and so we want to do everything we can to resist that gravitational pull and always have an outsider mindset those people that aren't in yet mm-hmm. we want to be a church for them just as much as for the insider so it's not either or but it's both and And Mm -hmm. so Jesus was clearing the temple uh, and he was pretty upset with people because all these tables uh, were set up for money changing and the selling of animals and all that kind of stuff in a part of the temple called the the Gentile court. And the Gentile court was specifically uh, described by God to uh, David, this is how I want my temple built because I expect Israel to be a light to the nations and then draw non-Jewish people to the worship of me and so designate this area for them so that they can congregate and fellowship and, and connect with God here. Well, because Israel lost sight of their mandate to be a light to the nations, no, hardly any non-Jewish people were coming, and so it was wasted space, and so they set up their tables there. And so what we're we're saying is we don't want our church to be wasted space. Uh, we want to fill it with people that are seeking a relationship with God, and so that means we always have the outsider in mind. And you mentioned eliminate the cringe factor, these kind of things. Like we think to ourselves, what would, how would that sound to an outsider? We have to we have to manage our language so that we don't use insider language. We have to uh, manage. Uh, our environments so that it makes our environments make sense to the outsider. Uh, Even how we talk about worship and things like that. Eric, what do you think about that?
2: Man, I think a lot of things about that. You know, we have these cultural values, belong before you believe, helpful, hopeful, maturity is about love. Uh, But but we often say this, that the environment of smcc is judged instantly the culture of smcc is evaluated or experienced gradually Mm. so the first thing someone sees when they walk in is not can i belong before i believe that actually takes time to see if that's true the first thing that's evaluated is the environment environments are observed and judged instantly and so when it comes to creating a church where people can experience those values you actually have to create an environment that that people enjoy enough to stick around enough to experience those values, if that makes sense. So, you know, there's some illustrations of this, but typically my home um, looks most inviting to a guest when I expect a guest is coming over. If I'm having people over um, my house, I, I clean it because the environment there is going to be judged instantly. And I want them to enjoy the environment enough so that they can enjoy my wife and I relationally. And so when you expect guests at church, when you expect outsiders at church, when you expect people who are looking for just one thing to say, I knew it, all churches are the same and I can't trust any of them, you pay very careful attention to your environments, knowing that they'll be judged, um, that they'll be judged instantly. And so the longer you've been a part of SMCC or on staff at SMCC, you forget about this, right? Because time in erodes awareness of. So the more time I've spent inside the walls of SMCC, the more my awareness of being a first-time person at SMCC is eroded away. And, and you know, one way to think about this is um, there are just certain types of people that are okay with some clutter and some mess. Some people are like that, you know. Uh, once I heard Andy Stanley say, if you don't know which type of person you are, just check your car. If you have to move <laughs> things before a person can ride in your car, you might be a person who doesn't see the mess. Um, but we want to be people who constantly have our eyes glued to what will a first-time person experience when they walk when they walk through our door. So those are some of the helpful ways, Paul, that I like to process uh,
1: environments judged instantly. Every church is attractional to someone. And so we like to say that we're an attractional model church, but every church actually <laughs> is attractional. They attract somebody. Yes. or else they're not a church anymore. And I guess what it is is in the world um you know just to break it down for people
0: in the quote unquote church world, we use that term attractional because 95% of the time that's used to say attractional is for an outsider person, right? If you were to look at churches across the board, if they were to describe themselves as attractional, it'd be that they're uh, wanting to be inviting for those people from the outside and specifically for what we're talking about here i think it's so interesting it goes back to when we're talking about being attractional like you said eric we don't want to have something for somebody to nitpick at like Mm -hmm. oh see i knew it i knew that this was going to happen or i knew that that was going to be said or that it would be like this Um, is because it comes back to this fact that we're not these salesmen per se right you're not going to walk in the door and we're just going to like hit you up with five things we want you to sign up for and commit to and to be a part of but rather we want to just provide that environment that gives people time to for us to earn their trust and to be able to over time show the gospel in a, in a helpful and hopeful way mm-hmm. um, so i really do love that about yeah, SMCC. We're, what
1: we're trying to say to them is we want something for you more than we want something from you right. if, if that gets reversed they're they're gone mm. but you know attractional That word, the tractional model church, gets a bad rap because some churches have taken it to a ridiculous end, and that that means that they preach what I call man-centered messages. Uh, They make a big deal about the person, and we we know all what this looks like by watching TV if we want, and it's all about you, and it's it's about you becoming rich or famous or healthy or something. It's all about you. God exists to make you happy. And we did an uh, earlier podcast about uh, um what, theistic? Yeah, moralistic, moralistic therapeutic. Moralistic, thera-
2: yeah. Therapeutic deism. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Man, like <I> MTD. <laughs> MTD, that's right.
1: Yeah, and, and so that is a perfect way to talk about man-centered type of gospel, and we don't want to do that. And, and I think that we can – give the gospel clearly and truly but in a way that has to first of all make sense to that person that is an outsider and also when we think about um attractional model we we understand that people are consumers before they're um ready to actually yield their life Mm. so to speak you know and we expect consumers to be in our seats.
2: You know, I went to uh, a school in the Northwest. I went to seminary, studied for my master's degree, and the attractional model was beat up. I mean, it was, take people were taking shots at the attractional model, taking shots at big church, taking shots my at mega church. And it's like, what, would you rather reach less people and lead less people to know Jesus? What, what you want less? I mean, it was just so interesting to me. And now... One of the things that's important to say about Utah is that this is a culture where people are used to walking through the doors into a church service and experience. So, um, uh, you know, attractional uh, gets a bad rap across the board, but I want to say, Uh, Attractional is also very helpful in a religious culture like we find in Utah, because people are used to attending something. They're used to attending
0: a a service. And what I wanna make sure is clear to our listeners, because I've got questions like this before. Um, People that I went to school with, people that I grew up with asking, so if you are part of an attractional, let's just use that word, quote unquote, attractional church, then that must mean in some way you have to water down the gospel. Like, they think it's one or the other. And and I would say at SMCC, I mean, I've seen meetings go very long when we're doing sermon prep, talking about how we have to make sure that we're getting this right. We can't be, you know, talking about something that isn't true. And there are a lot of things in our messages, a lot of things in the gospel, ultimately, that we're drawing these messages from that, that are offensive. So, we embrace those things, but we're trying to eliminate everything else. If we can eliminate something that's offensive, or well, offensive is not the right word, uh, barrier right. is a better word then we'll do it. But if it's the gospel, gospel is what it is. The New Testament talks about this. People can stumble over the gospel. They, I, I'm just
2: not okay with people stumbling over the way we do church. Correct. If they That's stumble it. over the gospel, the New Testament talks about how difficult the gospel can be to um, to receive. I understand that. But the reality is, is most people who have been burned by church didn't get burned or stumble because of the gospel. They got burned. They stumbled over leaders who couldn't be trusted, people who were hiding things behind the curtain, people in power who used people to get something from them so they could level up in their power. Those were the things that people burned, got that, that burned people and the things that people stumbled over. So um, I think we have this series coming up called The Dilemma where we're looking at false dilemmas. Um, the, the, it's a false dilemma to say the attractional church cannot be a gospel-centered church. That is a false dilemma. You can have both of those things at the same time. And um, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think SMCC has found that sweet spot.
1: I, I'm glad you said that because it remind me that in having the target being um, people that have been burned by religion, also helps us attract people that have been church damaged. So we might say that we're we're going after religious people that are disenfranchised. But at the same time, man there is a whole lot of people that have fallen out of evangelical churches cuz they don't feel like they can trust those churches.
2: Yeah, I want to make sure our listeners know we don't, you know, we aren't just out to pick apart the predominant religion of Utah. Th- these are there are people who are burned in churches that look just like SMCC. You know, unfortunately, there's been, you know, we're not perfect at SMCC, and there's been people that have been right. been hurt here. Um, I can think of people by name that that, that, that I've, um, you know, <clears throat> said things and done things that I'm like, man, I had to apologize for that. So, um, but 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 we can still say this is where we want to head
0: as a church. Yeah. yeah and and so, went, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Paul. And so
1: we do choose topics sometimes, sometimes work through a book of the Bible, but we'll choose topics that make sense to the outsider. Mm-hmm. These these are felt need type of sermons like parenting, marriage, that sort of thing. Uh, we call the sometimes we call those wisdom series. These are these are questions everybody's everybody is asking, not just Christians.
0: Absolutely. And one thing I just want to add before we go back to you, Eric, just to make it clear, you know, I I really appreciate what you said. We're not necessarily trying to pick apart. Like you said the predominant religion in in utah even where i used to work in new england um, that's an area that was scarred by um, catholicism in the early 2000s these scandals coming out these things that happened again a similar way that people were burned by just um, people who who couldn't live up to their own standards, right? And I do appreciate it. SMCC, we're not claiming to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You're not going to come to a service and, and hear us come from stage and say, follow us because we always make the right decisions, right? Mm-hmm. It, we want to, to have that authenticity with people.
2: Absolutely. So, Adam, I know uh, recently you got a series of emails about people asking great questions. We love these questions, but like hey, on Sunday mornings, you guys have lights that shine around. I mean, couldn't that money have been spent elsewhere? You know, you have these big buildings. Um, I mean, shouldn't that money have gone here or there? Um, I think it's helpful to connect the dots for people because I think we're very close to just connecting the dots just one or two sentences but what we're saying is that environments matter because environments are judged instantly if the environment makes people awkward and, and makes them cringe they will not be able to listen to a presentation of the gospel because they either have already left because it was so awkward they're not sure they can trust the person sharing the gospel or they're so on edge that they're just not listening well and so we want to create environments that make it easy for people to hear the gospel. Now, of course, environments are always a matter of preference. I think it's important to talk about that, right? Um, We've chosen the type of environment to connect with as many people as possible. So we've said, what types of people are in Utah? um, How do we reach them with a certain environment? And so we've chosen that type of environment. And um, it's not, Paul, I like what you said, you know, there are... Other churches that have chosen to create different types of environments, but we think this environment is comfortable for this group of people, um, and that's the group
1: of people that we want to serve. It's almost like you're having, like you mentioned, having guests over. You're gonna, you're going to serve the meal that you think your guest will like and if they have some food allergy or something like that you're going to avoid that oh they don't eat meat uh we're not going to talk about those kind of people right that's my wife (laughs) but at the same time you know you're going to try to give them a meal that they would enjoy and so that's actually kindness that's love that's thinking about them and so churches that are insider focused always serve the meal that the insiders like I think her actually missing something here in terms of hospitality. You know, the genuine sense of we are not here just for ourselves, but we expect outsiders to be in the seats today. And we're going to make sure that they had a good experience. And that just resonates with me because my wife, who does have some food
0: allergies, is always, and I always forget because I'm not thinking about it because I don't have food allergies. You know, we invite somebody over. She's like, did you ask them if they have allergies? Do you ask them if they have preferences? And sometimes we do make meals where I'm like, well, I would have liked that other meal, but I know that these people are coming over. And they can't eat this or they prefer this so we bend our preferences to um, what they would
1: enjoy and mm-hmm. what would be great for them One the other thing comes to my mind and, and this is a question I have to ask answer a lot and that is uh, people that are insiders moving to Utah come to SMCC say well what's in it for me if, if, if this is all about you know trying to help outsiders connect with Christ what's in it for me. And and I'm thinking to myself, have they never heard of the Great Commission? I mean, Jesus didn't huddle up the disciples at the end of his life and discuss all, all kinds of subjects. He said, there's one mission here, and that is to help as many people as possible become disciples of Jesus Christ, FDFD. And so, we actually want to be the kind of church that doesn't just send money to missions and let those people reach people for Christ. We want to be the kind of church that every single person at SMCC can actually uh, participate in the Great Commission in investing in inviting, investing in redemptive relationships, inviting those people to church, and with confidence know that those invitations, once they're received and acted upon, that that person will have a great experience and to some degree there's a great likelihood that that person might uh then cross the line of faith and become a christian that is a win for any insider
2: Mm,
1: absolutely it really is so what we're
2: saying you know in this section is that ministry into a culture should always contextualize itself for that culture so in utah um where the culture is very clean Uh, very polished, Um, there's a high level of professionalism. Uh, there's a lot of chains. There's not a lot of ma and pa's. Um, You do ministry in a way that fits into that culture. And so attractional really is a way to contextualize ministry for for Utah. And so that's part of why we've chosen this. And so, you know, when Jesus showed up in new towns, he contextualized his ministry for that culture. When the apostle Paul went to new, new towns, when he went to Athens, he contextualized. He did ministry different in Athens than he did in say Philippi or Ephesus. He chose to do ministry differently depending on the culture that he found himself in. And so what we're doing right now is just saying because of the culture that we find ourselves in, this is how we've contextualized um, the ministry of SMCC.
0: So we are, I mean, man, we could talk forever about this. So I want to keep us moving. Uh, we've talked about reach as many people as possible. I think we've definitely hit on that part of their mission statement. What else is in their poll that you want to well, kind of cover? Well,
1: we want people to take their next step. And unfortunately when people walk into a church oftentimes they can't figure out what's next for them or the next step is walking down the aisle and declaring your faith in Christ or raising your hand or getting baptized and you're you know so many people are just so far away from that uh, the next step just seems like a huge step and right. so what we've tried to do is create steps that are Almost at ground level, just baby steps that people can take and feel confident in. And so we offer different classes uh, like Connect or Connect Now experiences where there's absolutely no expectations from the person. Uh, We do a What is Christianity class, and that is only for people that are not in yet. You know, this is this is for people that have never really read their Bible, uh, that sort of thing. And so there's a comfortable environment. We explain what the gospel is and, and all that. So what we've tried to do is honor what took place through the Jerusalem Council when there was all this controversy about do you need to become like a Jewish person before you become a Christian? And the verdict was this, it is, and this is, I think, James uh Decision by Peter or Jerusalem Council, uh, Acts 15 19, it is my judgment therefore that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That's our theme verse. This is what we are all about. Let's not make it more difficult for people that are trying to connect with Christ. And so dress code, not a problem, you know, music something that they would enjoy listening to, all these type of things are all about eliminating barriers for people to take their next step. You know, we're a multi-site
2: church, and, and and, and part of that is because of what you just said. If someone has to drive 40 minutes from a certain part of town to get to one location, that's a pretty big barrier. Now, a Christian will make that drive no problem because they, they, they're they happy to make that. They yeah. already value it. But if that Christian is going to invite their neighbor and now their neighbor has to drive 30 minutes to church, that becomes a barrier where the neighbor says, ah, I'm not going that far on a Sunday morning. For, forget about it. Multi-site is a way of putting environments uh, in places where people can travel less than 15 minutes. And uh, if you, uh, if you studies have been done on this, Paul, if, if, if church is less than 15 minutes away, the invite to somebody who's never been is, uh, it's far more likely that they will receive it and take somebody up on that offer. And so we wanna have our locations in areas where, you know what, that is about 15 minutes from a lot of different places. And so it makes it makes it easier. The barrier uh, has been reduced and now it's,
1: it's um, not as difficult for people to turn to God. I think it's important that we recognize everybody has a next step, not just the beginner. You know, not just the person that's visiting for the first time, but every single Christian can take a next step. And so we just encourage that. We we try to help people identify a next step, even after a sermon. They may have heard new truth that had not really uh been something understood before. And so we challenge people to take a next step in life. And so it's always a next step.
0: Well, I think what's so great about what I hear, you know, internally, and I think we say this externally, too, as a church, is that a next step for somebody um, could just be if somebody comes on one Sunday, your next step could just be coming back next week. Mm-hmm. That could be your next step. Like that's again, the same thing. We're not trying to press anybody. It might just be, you came today. I, I When I used to work at the, our South Jordan location, I used just to always ask what, you know, was this what you expected? Did you enjoy it? Um, did you find it helpful? Did you find it hopeful? And you know, if I get some answers to that, then I'd say, man, I hope you just come back next week. That's all I'm asking of you So just try try it again.
2: You know, uh, in, in, my years of ministry, I've been doing ministry now, um, oh, I don't know, getting up there, 15 years or so. I've heard this phrase quite often. Uh yeah, you know, I'm just not where I should be. I'm just not where I should be. And And in my mind, I'm hearing this. They have an expectation of somebody that looks mature. They have an expectation of superhero Jesus person, and they think they should be there by now. I I always, when I hear that, I try to push on that because I think it's a discouraging way to live. It can kind of keep you from taking any step because you feel like you should have taken 100 by now. And Jesus always invites us to just follow, just follow. That's an invitation to a next step. We just talked about this in Sunday's message. Um, A daily walk, that's just a next step. So what is my next step of trust um in Christ. And so, man, I, I love that, Adam. We're not trying to scare people that it's not a next step. It's really a next leap. You should take a <laughs> leap of faith. No, that's not helpful. That's not hopeful. We want them to just take a step
1: of trust. When, when people think that they're disappointing us because they haven't gone far enough fast enough, that will often cause them to want to fake it. And that's the last thing we want people to do. We want people to have the freedom to be genuine and authentic in, in the way they approach their relationship with Christ. And so we like to say to people, you'll never disappoint us because we honor the process in which God changes you from the inside out. We don't try to change you. We're honoring God's ability to change you and so you don't have to conform to our expectations at all and so we like to say we invite you to take your next step we don't expect you to take your next step we're trying to take the pressure off we're not trying to manipulate we're not trying to pressure we're not trying to coerce we're simply inviting uh we're, we're setting the table so so that they'll want to take that next step and that is so refreshing to people who have never experienced
2: that in a in a church before and ultimately what that does back to where we started this conversation is it just builds trust it really just
0: there builds you go. trust. yeah yeah and with this all <sighs> Man, I think this is incredibly helpful. Um, I, I hope for people I'm finding it helpful just even in this conversation. And I've already got, I know that we're coming close to the end of our time, but I've kind of already got some idea of what next week's episode is going to be. But, Paul, I want you to finish reading that that mission statement, and let's just pull a couple pieces from that, because I want to get through the whole thing today, the whole mission yeah. statement. Well, we,
1: we exist to help as many people as possible take their next step in becoming fully devoted and fully delighted followers of Jesus Christ. And so we shorten that to FDFD. And uh, so, full devotion is important to us. And, Eric, uh, I'm going to let you describe what we have come to mean by fully devoted. What does that look like?
2: Yeah, you know, when it comes to devotion, most churches have something like that in their mission statement. Most churches have some type of devotion uh, in that. We want to be devoted to God. We want to be devoted to Him. We want to serve Him. And so churches usually break those down in a whole bunch of ways, uh, usually five. And, you know, sometimes it's evangelism, fellowship, uh, service, you know, it's always broken down. And, And we looked at devotion for us and said, you know, I'm not Sure, this is a couple years ago. I'm not sure it's as clear as it could be because what we noticed is that there were three major topics that we came to in every sermon. Every sermon, every series circled around these three different topics, or all three at once. And we finally just said, let's put it down on paper. So, devotion involves these three things at SMCC. This is how we talk about it. And I'm convinced. These are the three areas in which um, Jesus invites us to trust him. These three areas are so important. Um, And yet they're not just a Jesus thing. These three things affect everybody's life, regardless, religious, irreligious, Christian. These three things. They are identity, which is the story I tell myself about myself, my identity, who, who am I? Authority, right, is uh, where who answers the biggest questions of my life, the authority. And then my activity, my activity. That's what I'm doing. Most churches who talk about devotion, they only talk about activity. This is what I must be doing. Devoted people just do. And And we looked at that and we said, That can't be true because it's actually my beliefs that drive my behavior. And if I just let my behavior drive my beliefs, I might think I can behave my way into something. And so we wanted to step back from that and say, it can't just be about my activity. There's something bigger than activity, and that is my identity. And so at SMCC, full devotion involves those three things. So identity is I define myself by what Jesus did for me, not what I do. So his performance, not my own, is the basis for my identity and therefore my identity is secure. It's not based on my performance. It's based on his. Then there's the authority. I find delight in submitting to what Jesus says, not in what I say or anybody else says. So he is my authority. So that's master, Lord, savior language. So, uh, and then there's activity. I find delight in doing for others what Jesus has done for me, loving others like Jesus has loved me. And so Every sermon falls into one of those three categories. And so when we talk about full devotion and full delight, devotion is those three things. Jesus, I get my identity and, from him. And, and He's those, my authority. Activity. Those
1: are rooted in the fall. You know, the violation of God's authority, the rebellion against God's authority, which affected Adam and Eve in terms of their uh, view of themselves. They were, for the very first time, insecure and they lost a sense of identity and their behavior immediately changed they started to blame each other and that sort of thing and so this is this is the essence of what it means now to be restored to a relationship to god is those three areas of life have been significantly altered.
2: Yeah, and these three things are interconnected. One of my favorite ways to describe this and if you've been to SMCC before, maybe you've seen us use this illustration is that our life really is like a deck of cards. We have these we have these multiple uh, facets of our lives that make up who we are. And it's like a deck. They're all in there. Dad is in there. Uh, husband is in there for me. Pastor is in there. You know, all these things are in there, but we all have a top card and it's the top card that we play first in most situations of life. That's the card that comes out first. We want the top card to be Christ follower that's what we want for people that's the the essential piece of our identity um, that all the others then fall under and that's why the deck of cards is a very helpful illustration so if you're a church leader out there a pastor out there listening to this and um, devotion you uh, At your church, the thing you're leading people to is devotion that is just activity. I think you might you might unintentionally lead people to just spin their wheels, doing, 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 rather than evaluating identity and authority, which actually I think need to be evaluated first, because then activity can uh, follow appropriately.
1: I think what really drove me in er, in the early days in regards to this is to evaluate so many of the sermons that I had heard over my entire lifetime, ending with. Give more, serve more, pray more, do more. That's it. <laughs> yep. Is that Christianity? What about my identity? What about my authority? Yep, exactly. And if you, this is so funny. I, I think
2: uh, I look back at old sermons that I've done and I think this, okay, if I had three things to do at the end of every sermon and someone listened, you know, 40, 50 times a year, by the end of that year, they have 150 new
1: things to do. Who's doing any of those? Right? It's just, it's just, I actually it's just, heard that. Somebody <laughs> recorded Oprah Winfrey over a year's period of time and all the suggestions that she gave for living your life would not have enough time in a day to do all the things that you were supposed to do in order to be <laughs> healthy. That reminds me of that. Hey, I think it's important that we have time to talk about delight because this is, I think, what is so near and dear to my heart. It's, it, obviously, we live in Utah. I'm telling you, there is no... Place in America where there's so much devotion, and we cannot out devote the local church here, the the uh, predominant religion, and and so what do we have that can now attract people that have been devoted, gone on missions, you know, done temple work, whatever it might be, and uh, you know, done the whole Boy Scout thing, all that kind of thing. What can we say to them? And I think the important message for most people here in Utah is that you can actually have devotion with the light. It's all about how you seek a relationship with God. And so when you have the gospel messed up in your mind, if you have a religious mindset, you're devoted in order to earn. And we've already covered this, so I'm not going to go back through that. But that, that's what fuels so much devotion. And if you're not secure in your relationship with Christ, you have to be devoted in order to maintain your standing or status with God. And so that's a problem. And so it's the finished work of Jesus Christ in which our attitude of delight is rooted. And knowing that he loves us unconditionally, there's nothing we can do to cause him to love us more, and there's nothing we can do to cause him to love us less. That's the foundation of our delight. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, believe that uh, delight is not part of the picture. Uh, we just need to gut out our relationship with God. We, we just toil, we, we, we persevere, uh, we put our, you know, shoulder <laughs> into it and just make it happen. And unfortunately, that's anti-biblical. I'm thinking about what Jesus said, John 15, to his disciples, and he gave them a command. This is interesting. He gave them a command to love, and then he says, I tell you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Evidently, this is a pretty big deal to, to Jesus. And this is upper room discourse. This is the last thing he's saying to his disciples, that it's important for me that you experience the joy that I have. And when, you know, we'll start looking at some other scripture, like why did Jesus Christ go to the cross? He did it voluntarily. But beyond that, it says in Romans chapter 12 that it was for the joy set before him that he uh, endured the pain and went to the cross Joy is a huge motivator. And Mm -hmm. so if you can have devotion with delight and delight is motivating your devotion, now you have something special. Wow. You have somebody who's saying something like this, it would be my pleasure. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's hard to have delight in someone you doubt is
2: delighted in you. And when we know God delights in us because of what Christ has done. We can have the light in him. and Paul, everything you're saying, it's it's so it's so powerful. You know one of the books that I would I, I love to recommend to people, Paul, you recommended this to me a couple years ago. I mean, I, I don't know if you knew how powerful this book would be for me and others who have been on staff here. We in fact have crafted a series around this. It's called The Search for Significance by Robert S. McGee. Uh, the search for I'll say it again, The Search for Significance by Robert S. McGee. He talks about identity authority activity. Uh, and delight and it's absolutely phenomenal. It will help take somebody through into this process that's really been a part of the SMCC process for for a long, long time. Um, and so, one of the things, as we as we think about this next step process, Paul, uh, attractional environments, delight—that uh, we like to say—I think it's just worth worth saying—is we know we can't control people. We do not try to control people. What we do control are our environments, and so we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. working on those, knowing that great environments ultimately lead people to take next steps that lead to great devotion and great delight in the
1: gospel. You know, I know we got to wrap it up, but I just got we still have that sure. question to get to too. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I really want to say this that. Duty is the enemy of delight. When we do what we do out of a sense of obligation to God, it really does ruin our delight. And a lot of times we like to talk about it's uh, our anniversary. We, you know, bring flowers home. Our wife says, "Oh, thank you, honey. Oh, don't, don't, you know, get too crazy here. It's my duty as your husband to do that." Uh, we bring a meal to somebody because of an illness and they say, oh, thank you so much. It's so thoughtful. Well, actually, my I put my name down on a clipboard and it was being passed around Bible study and I didn't really realize what I was doing but when I found out that that meant I had to bring you a meal, uh, I did it. And it just, it takes away any of the greatness of the act because it wasn't done out of delight. It was done out of duty. And so that's what we're trying to to, to turn around in the way that people think.
0: Man, the, I I I know that I'm the host and I shouldn't, you know, toot our own horn, but I mean if you just listen to this, you got the entire scoop of SMCC in this one episode. If you're new to SMCC, you just got, you know, 45 50 minutes of who we are, why we exist, what we're trying to accomplish in a pretty succinct and summary of, of 22 years of ministry in Utah. And you know we want to reach as many people as possible and help them take their next step in full devotion and full delight in Jesus Christ. So I really hope um, that, that if you're listening to this right now and you attend SMCC, that you would send this to a few people who you know that are in your small group or serve on your team or attend at the campus that you attend and say, hey, you gotta listen to this if you haven't listened to this because this is really helpful for those that attend and even those that are on the outside to just understand who we are as a church. Now, we've got to wrap this up at some point, but we do have for today is a question. We have a question from uh, somebody that I said earlier, like from St. George, um, and it's a really great question. I think fits in um, with what we're talking about, and I think it's really good to answer. So I'm going to have Eric and Paul answer this. I'm going to play the the question. I'll have to pull it up here on my laptop, and then um, and then I want you guys to to just think about what's a good answer for, for somebody that has this type of question. So give me a second here. I'll pull it up, and, and we'll get it started here. That's great excited for the question. We need more of them. If you're listening out there,
2: send in your questions.
0: That's a good reminder. Yeah, if you want to, we would love more questions. And we're going to have the number uh, in the description below I mentioned earlier. I'll mention it on the way out as well. But I'm going to go ahead and play this voicemail. And uh, let's take a listen and uh, then get your your guys' answer. Hey, uh, my name's Jake. I'm from St. George, Utah. And I find myself getting into discussions with LDS people uh about the differences between uh Mormonism and Christianity. Um so I guess kind of two questions. Um I kinda of find it hard to get my point across that they are uh two different things. Um because as Christians we believe in the Bible and they believe in all you know the Bible and the Book of Mormon, mostly the latter. Um, So how to kind of get that point
1: across and also um, how to make them feel like I'm not attacking their beliefs because that's the last thing I want to do, um, is
0: turn it into an argument instead of a discussion. Thank you guys so much. Bye.
1: Well, we, we always want to ask questions before we make statements and to get clarity is really important and I think that one of the things we've discovered after years and years of being in Utah is that oftentimes we can use the same words uh, but they have different meanings so it's like having a different dictionary and so it's always important to define are terms, and so Eric, Frank Turek said some interesting things that yeah. about that.
2: Yeah, so same vocabulary, different dictionary. Um, I have three questions that I learned from Frank Turek that I like to encourage people to ask uh, when it comes to differences. Uh, I appreciate the voicemail because there are differences. That's important to to recognize. So when it comes to differences uh, in the area of religion, but really life in general, this is even helpful for politics. Uh, these are the three questions. Um, you know what do you mean by that so you hear somebody say something wow that's very interesting what do you mean by that uh, where did you get that is the second question where did you get that and then the third question is have you ever considered so um, what do you mean by that sometimes when someone says something it's kind of this cliche bumper sticker type of phrase um, in the in the area of atheism I, I hear this all the time oh good guy couldn't allow evil what, what do you mean by that and and that usually pushes someone a little bit further into the conversation and uh, helps them process helps you process and then you know where to go from there uh, where did you get that is usually an, is a great question because sometimes it's like well i guess i just got it from twitter you know probably not the best place to get uh, your your information. And then, have you ever considered? And at that point, uh, if appropriate, you can provide um, another perspective. Have you ever considered this? You're not saying you're wrong, I'm right, and this is what you should believe. It's just, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever considered that it could be like this? And then the conversation can continue. So, once again, those three questions: uh, What do you mean by that? Where did you get that? Have you ever considered?
1: I love that because one of the things again, learn the hard way, right? Uh, I've made this mistake many times. I've said. Well, Mormons believe, or LDS theology is, and there is no consensus. And so I've got myself in a really bad place by making that mistake. Just have a conversation. And again, the goal is truth, not the goal is not to win an argument. And we don't ever want to assume who is and who isn't a Christian. We've we've basically made uh, the decision that if we take the definition of of faith and the definition of salvation and the definition of God right off the LDS uh, website, that that those the definition of those words will not lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we want to correct bad theology, but that doesn't mean that some people can actually be in the Mormon church and not believe their own theology, maybe they actually believe the Bible. And so we wanna honor that.
2: I was just doing some marriage counseling last night for a couple and uh, we were talking about conflict and um, we, we, we talked about this. Um, don't make the other person the problem make the conflict the problem, make the theology or the doctrine the problem in this context, not the other person. I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm for you. This is great in a marriage. I'm for you. I'm not, the problem is not with you. The problem is the conflict that we're having. And we can keep that in mind. We can actually get through conflict in a in a marriage relationship. And it's the same when it comes to talking about differences spiritually. The problem is not you. I'm actually for you. I want what's best for you. I love you. The, uh, so let's have the problem be about
0: we're not believing the same thing and we want to follow truth wherever it leads. I think that's a really great. Um, And I want to wrap this up, but I just think it's helpful for people. What I take away from what you guys said and and just know from what I've seen on staff here is, you know, one, we're not trying to we're not encouraging people to get into arguments with people. I think the most helpful thing that I learned when I moved here three years ago is we would have missionaries or elders over all the time and just ask a lot of questions, see what they think. And then be able to say, oh, that's interesting that you, you know, you say that, you know, here's how, what I understand and here's what I believe It's really helpful. You know, Paul, and I think about this too, Paul, SMCC has never organized um, going out with picket signs to the temple downtown to, to protest, you know, that's not helpful either, but to just form those genuine relationships and be able to have that healthy discourse really helps um, with that. Is that, is that basically good? We, you guys We're think that good. we answered that, that well for, for Jake state St. George. All right. Well, what I want to do is then go ahead and wrap up with us today. So, reminder, I would love for uh, people today to just go ahead and review, share, subscribe on whatever you're listening to. Uh, we, that really helps us. I know sometimes people think, you know, we're going to ask you to do something. Hey, we're not asking for really anything else besides just 10 seconds of your time to give us a review and to subscribe and share with a friend. Um, as well, we would love to have more voicemails coming in. Um, and so, if you want to, I got to grab the number here real quick. Because I don't have it memorized yet. Uh, the number for uh, our voicemail line that, again, we'd love to have you come in at is uh, 801-382-8151. Uh, go ahead and call in, and we'd love to play your question on the show and get that answered for you. And again, just thank you for allowing us in just five episodes to get to 1,000 downloads. That's really encouraging, and we hope that uh, people will continue to listen. As we know, <laughs> your space on a, on a podcast playlist is is, uh, is, you know, valuable space. So we thank you for that. Next week, we are going to be taking a break because of Memorial Day. Our schedules are kind of different, some traveling going on. So this is a great time to go back and catch up on some of the episodes. If you've missed some next week, we will not have an episode, but we'll be back the week after and continue to, to go through all this with you guys. So thank you again. Have a great day.
1: Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit
0: our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.